Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The message for this day rises up out of Jesus' words in that gospel lesson from Matthew chapter 10. So travel back in time with me, if you will, to an age before streaming services of um, Netflix and Prime. Travel back before there was cable TV, before any of these things were there, to July 12, 19. 76. And you're probably wondering, what's up with July 12, 1976? What debuted then was the game show Family Feud. <laughs> July 12, 1976. I did my homework. And you probably watched that at some point in your life. I've watched it. You know how the game is played. And it's been on a very long run for more than four decades with different people hosting it over the years, Steve Harvey being the one who presently hosts that. It's all about members of two different families who compete against one another to win cash and prizes as they answer different survey questions. We see a different kind of family feud in today's gospel lesson. Jesus has some very sobering things to say about his coming to earth and what this means for individuals and families. We usually think of Jesus coming as the Prince of Peace, whose message is redemption, forgiveness, mercy, and peace. Isn't Jesus coming supposed to bring people together rather than drive them apart? And the short answer is yes, but depending on our response to Jesus coming, all of this can be turned upside down and flipped on its head from redemption and mercy and peace into hostility, discord and strife, even within the same family as members of that family turn on one another. What? is going on here? What is Jesus saying? And all of this is grist for the mill in today's sermon as we focus on that scripture memory verse from today's gospel lesson, Jesus' own words, whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Based on Jesus' words, the theme for today's message is family feud. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching, the hearing, and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. So the whole context of Matthew chapter 10 begins not just there, it goes all the way back to what we heard in today's Old Testament reading from Jeremiah chapter 28. The prophet Jeremiah is condemned by his fellow prophet, a court prophet, Hananiah, together with the court priests, the temple priests who were all there as they condemned Jeremiah for speaking what God told him to speak. And it wasn't words of peace and comfort, but words of violence and destruction. Nobody wanted to hear that. And so Jeremiah is castigated. 
Following the Lord can come with a heavy price, even within the ranks of one's fellow believers. And that then moves us forward to what we hear in Matthew chapter 10, part of which we heard in last week's gospel lesson and Pastor Campbell's sermon from last Sunday. And that continues today. Jesus maps out for his 12 disciples what they were to expect as they're being sent out into the world by Jesus. It was not going to be easy. Jesus empowered them to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse lepers, to cast out demons. They were to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven had broken into the world. It was at hand, standing right in front of them in the person of Jesus. But in so doing, Jesus also made clear to them that not everyone was going to welcome them with open arms. They would be dragged before courts and governors and kings for Jesus' sake, for his name's sake. Nevertheless, Jesus reassured his followers that they were not to fear, not to be afraid of those who could only kill the body but could not kill the soul. Rather, they were to fear him who could destroy both soul and body in hell. And all of this then leads up to what we hear in today's gospel lesson. These are hard words to hear. They, they challenge us. They make us squirm. We know that in other parts of the world, there can be a very real price that believers pay for following Jesus. No question. Arrest and imprisonment, torture, and even death. Now, it is true that here in our own country, we do not have public persecution of Christians that we see in other parts of the world. But clearly, there is a growing tide of hostility toward the institutional Christian church in this nation. The deference and respect accorded to the church by previous generations has given way to something else, to apathy, to suspicion, and yes, to out-and-out -out resentment and hostility. Individuals may find themselves ridiculed and mocked because of their faith. Things are changing in the world around us, and we may find all of this very unsettling and very scary. The cost of discipleship is real. Jesus did not promise that by following him as his disciples, our lives would be easy. Clearly, he taught the exact opposite. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So what happens when our faith in Jesus is met with opposition and conflict, even within our own family? How do we handle that? This isn't just a theoretical what-if exercise. It is a very real 
thing in the lives of real people. The cross that we may be called upon to bear for Jesus' sake may well be within our own home and among our own loved ones and extended family. And this causes tremendous heartache and pain for God's people. As they cry out to the Lord for his mercy and help, the words of today's psalm speak to those hurting hearts. Look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Even when there may be a family feud because of our faith in Jesus, we take comfort knowing that we belong to another family, the family of faith. We have a heavenly father who has made us in his own image. We have an elder brother, Jesus, who has laid down his life for us. We are baptized into Jesus' death and resurrection and nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus speaks to this intimate connectedness when he told his apostles in that gospel lesson for today, whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The message that the apostles and that the prophets brought to the world of their day is the same message that we bring to the world today. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. This turning from self and returning to the Lord in whom we live and move and have our being this turning is called repentance, repentance that leads to life. And this change of heart and mind is the work of the Holy Spirit who calls us to this faith, to this power for abundant living that Jesus came to bring because it is in Jesus through his life and death and resurrection that we begin to see life differently through new lenses, if you will. We begin to see that life is not about getting and having and keeping and owning and controlling. In Jesus, it's not about holding on to life, but giving it away. Losing our life for Jesus' sake, letting go of my plan my agenda, my way, so that Jesus can work his plan, his agenda, his way in our life. All of this means that we've actually found what life is all about. In Jesus, we are set free to see beyond all of these things to a new way of living that is rooted 
in what God in Christ has done for us. And even when there is rejection by others for our faith and trust in Jesus, and yes, even within our own families, we hold fast to him who loves us and gave his life for us. We understand that something even as small as giving a cup of cold water to one of Jesus' little ones carries great significance because it is done in faith. Taking up our cross and following Jesus means a life of discipleship that includes whatever we may be called upon to sacrifice or suffer for Jesus' sake. Whatever cross it is that each one of us is called to take up for the sake of Christ, we can do so only because Christ Jesus has already taken up his cross for our sake, shedding his blood, giving his life on that cross for you and for me. That's where it begins for each one of us at the cross. In response to all that God in Christ has done for us, emboldened by the Holy Spirit who calls us, who keeps us in this one true faith, we now take up our cross day by day, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The hymn we are about to sing, Jesus Lead Thou On, is about 300 years old. It's been around for a long time. And it was written by a man, Count Nicholas von Zinzendorf, who was closely affiliated with the Moravian Church. And here, in our own country are various Moravian settlements up in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, or out in the Shenandoah Valley here in Virginia. Jesus Lead Thou On, this hymn that we're about to sing is really a prayer that the child of God, together with all of the children of God, would be strengthened in taking up our cross and following Jesus. Zinzendorf's goal was to guide all people home to their Father's side in heaven, their true fatherland. And so we join in singing, Jesus lead thou on till our rest is won. And although the way be cheerless, we will follow calm and fearless, guide us by thy hand to our fatherland. Amen. And the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly, your spirit, your soul, and your body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen. Amen.